Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again, boot campers. Jimbo Stewart here with you, and as always, I got Bob Bickford there in the great city of St. Louis. Hey, Bob, I want you to know my kids still talk about our trip to hang out with you guys in St. Louis. The STL has got it going on, and uh, what I would say is if, if, if you've heard that it's dangerous, it's not as dangerous as you've heard. And I think you experienced that, right? You didn't, nobody got shot while you were with us. Yeah, my, my threshold of what is dangerous is not a normal <laughs> threshold yeah. or understanding. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Uh, most of my ministry experience has been in communities that others have categorized as dangerous. And they'll say, hey, is this like a safe place? And like, I'll, in my mind, yes. I mean, I have only been shot at once. I have only, I've only been mugged once. Those were two different incidents. I mean, so I, in, in my mind, I mean, I, in, in here in Jacksonville, I have only come across a dead body on my way into a diner one time. Oh my gosh. So wait, wait, hold time out. You've been shot at, you've been mugged and you walked past a dead person to go get something to eat. Yeah. Yeah. These are all stories that, I've never heard, but yet I am not surprised in the least. <laughs> well, the diner one is there. There's a diner real close to Redemption Church called What's Cooking. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it was not very good. The food was not great. It was just convenient. It was right there next to the church. And so for a while there as a part of a way to attempt organizational discipleship, like we talked about in the last episode, I started saying on Sunday mornings, if you would like to meet with me and talk about the sermon more, I'll be at what's cooking across the street at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I'd love to meet with you. And for about two years, I did that every Monday, I would sit at what's cooking and for a while there, we had a great group coming and we would talk about the sermon and we'd talk about life and football and whatever else they want to talk about. Well, one morning I got there early and as I'm walking up, there's, there's a guy right there by the door shot in the chest. And he is, it's, it's obvious it's been a minute. He's, he's bled out. <laughs> and so I walk inside, I kind of walk around him. I walk inside and I look at the normal waitress named Sherry and I said, hey, Sherry, you guys know about the the dead body on the sidewalk, huh? And they're like, yeah, cops are on their way. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then you sat down and you got yeah. something to eat? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, what else? why would I not eat? I still got to eat breakfast. Jeez. <laughs> so I have so many questions that I don't know that we have time for. But <laughs> The biggest one is, did he get shot somewhere else and just basically stroll up there to, you know, go into glory at in front of what's cooking? Is I don't, that, I don't know. I, I have no, I don't know what the story is. It, it was. Oh, uh, they said he was there when they got to work. <laughs> oh my gosh, man, you have an interesting life, Jimbo Stewart. When Audrey and I were getting engaged, I 
I, in all sincerity, said to her, hey, before, before you really fully give into this idea of marrying me, you just need to know, like, I live in God's sitcom. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm part of his entertainment, and things just happen around me, to me, adjacent to me. And because you're marrying me, you are now getting a starring role in said sitcom. And uh, she'll tell you all these years later that I was right. And that for sure, she lives in God's sitcom now. I love it. Does that make me Kramer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, as a matter of fact, even the other day, I can't say who, but I talking about someone that I know, Audrey said, this is turning into like a Newman relationship with you. Oh gosh! And I was like, you know, it is. It really is. I hate Newman. Newman. <laughs> Newman. All right. Well, today we are talking about community. We're talking about engaging our community. We've been talking about the irreducible minimums of what does it mean to just get down to the bare necessities. Because life is overwhelming, 2020 and 2021 are twin troubles of overwhelming. It's just like insane. We all thought 2020 was going to be bad. And then six days into 2021, we got a guy in a bear costume in the Capitol <laughs> saying, hey, 2020, hold my beer. And yeah. it's just gotten worse ever since. <laughs> and so in, in all that, it can get so overwhelming that you don't know what to do. And so what do you do? Well, the whole purpose of this series is for us to talk about what are the fundamentals? What are the irreducible minimums of pastoral ministry that just focus on doing these things in your context? And that's it. You don't have to get overwhelmed with everything else. Focus on these things. So as a part of that, one of them we've talked about is engaging the community. Now, as we process through each of these, as we've told you each week, we're doing it through the Air Force leadership model of PITO, personal, interpersonal, team, and organizational. Uh, and so we're just trying to think through in you, essentially concentric circles, right? In, in your concentric circles, starting with you and going out to the church, what does it look like to lead in this irreducible minimum? So, Bob, kick us off with personal. What does it mean to lead yourself personally, me, myself, and I, to engage the community? Man, I, first of all, I think you really got to, you have to love your community or develop a love for your community, right? If you are in a place where, you know, you don't like the people, you don't like the setting, that that's a problem. And part of what develops a love for the community is being present in the community, right? You learn to love it. So quick story, when we moved to uh, Webster Groves, Missouri, um, our children were raised in the land of suburbs prior to this. So every, every suburb we lived in when our kids were younger and then as they got older, every third or fourth house looked the same. It had to have a different paint color, et cetera. So it was all uniform. And, and, and so they got used to that. Well, we roll up here and none of the houses or very few of the houses look similar. They're all different and they all look old. Uh, they are old. They're hundred. Our house is a hundred and probably ten years old at this point, and um, and so our kids walked into this old house and it needed a lot of work and needed to be redone and everything. And they looked at us like, "You all are crazy. Like, why would we move here? Why? Why would 
we want to live here. This makes no sense. But they were they weren't familiar with the community. They didn't know the community. They didn't they hadn't engaged in the community. But as we committed and moved in and jumped in and we went to ball games and Fourth of July parades and all of those sorts of things, we really began to to love the community and love the people here. Uh, and because we got to know them, right? So part of the engaging the community is you just got to get out in the community and you got to be part of it. And fortunately, we had some persons of peace who were individuals who helped us navigate the community and become part of the community early on. So I, I would say, look for that. Like the reality is in our small city of Webster Groves, unless you were born here, and your parents owned a house here, you are not from here. Hmm. And so it's hard to break in in that regard to be seen as an insider. But we've been here for 10 years now, and we are part of the community because we got involved in school, the school activities, went to the ball games, et cetera, went to the community events, and we just fell in love with it. So what I would say is if, if we have some replanters that are struggling to feel like they get to know me, go to every little town thing that you can go to and find a place where the old guys are drinking coffee and just hang out and get to know them, go to the same restaurants, find the same servers, just engage. That's such a great plan, such a great point, because gone are the days of 50, 60 years ago where if you just planted a church and built a nice-looking building that looks like a church and sat in your office from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, then, then you were you 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 were done. You had engaged the community. The very fact that the building was there meant that it was the social hub of that neighborhood, and mm. people would flock to it. Right? They that's where they went for their social outing because there wasn't really that many other options, and that so it became the town center for each little neighborhood. And we're having to see a shift in what pastoral ministry looks like. And I'm to the point, Bob, I don't think it would be responsible or biblical for you to go sit in your office for eight hours every day, five mm -hmm. days a week. I don't think you're pastoring if that's what you're doing, right? You, you, there will be pastoral moments that happen in your office, certainly, but you need to get out and be a part of the community. You need to engage what some people call third places. We talked about that a little bit in the episode we had with Keelan Cook, uh, talking about the fourfold panorama. But essentially, that idea is just go out and, in, and engage your community. That obviously is going to look very different contextually depending on where you are, right? And so for some places, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who is a church planter with an organization that requires certain evaluation forms. And one of the and he's in a very, very rural area, and he's bivocational. And so they said, uh, hey, what is a third places? What are some third places that you're engaging? And he said, after Googling third place to try to figure out what that meant, uh, he, he then thought the only third place in our community is the volunteer fire department, right? There you like, go. like there, he thought there, I mean, there's not, there's not a coffee shop. There's not a restaurant. There's not a, there's not a place in his community. Well, what does that mean? That means they have little league, right? And they've got other things. And so that's what he does, right? He coaches a little league team with his kid on it. And he finds other ways to be a part of the community. You've got to love where you are, like you said, and, and be a part of it. You cannot be an outsider and you cannot just sit there. You can't just be an outsider. You got to intentionally work your way into being a part of the community. Even if you're brand new, that's fine. You can, you can learn and you can be a part of it and figure out ways to do that, to get in there. 
So then moving from personal to interpersonal, what does that look like interpersonally? Obviously, being a part of the community is an interpersonal process, but it's it's you deciding how you live your life. What are your hobbies? What are your things that you're doing? What does it mean intent, to be intentionally interpersonal in engaging the community? Well, right around your church and right around your house, there are neighbors, there are people that live by. So that's your first group, I would think, is to to get to know your neighbors. And so, you know, that was one of the things that was really exciting for us is our city is a front porch and sidewalk community. We used to live in, if you if you ever seen this show, King of the Hill? Yes. Um, so oh, yeah. King of the Hill was written about a fictitious town named Arlen. And it was uh, built off of Richardson, Texas or Garland, Texas. And we lived in Garland, Texas. Every home in our subdivision had a rear entry garage. And so you drove down a back alley, you went into the garage and you closed it and then you really didn't get out. And if you had a a posted stamp yard, which we did like a backyard, you still had like an eight and a half foot high privacy fence. So people really didn't connect in that neighborhood. Just the opposite here. Like people, people are walking, people are getting out and, and so they're connecting. And so you get to know people and it's fun. People like to, to know their neighbors we have streets that shut down for Halloween and they have big Halloween parties like on their block, et cetera. So get to know the folks around. I mean, know them by first name, know where, know about their kids, know where they go. And, and so um, that was new for us and we really enjoyed that and, and loved that. And so I think that's one of the best ways to, to get to know people in their community, start with your neighbors. Yeah. And so part of that, just I realized I talked about third places and didn't define that. Part of that is when you go to a third place, getting to know the people there. So what is the third place? Well, your home is your first place. Your work is your second place. Mm-hmm. Where is it that you go to to socialize, to hang out? Is that a coffee shop? Is that the volunteer fire department? Is that peewee club? Is that the barber shop? What is that? But don't just go there. You got to go there and start to build relationships and get to know uh, the people that work there, the regulars that are there, have conversations with them. Um I was talking with somebody yesterday who said uh, when he goes to a coffee shop, he takes a copy of Jared Wilson's The Gospel According to Satan and just sets it out there so that people see it and see if it starts conversations with people because it's such a provocative title. I thought, you know, that's a fun way. I have, I've literally at times, I've, I've printed out a, a piece of paper then folded it so it was like a little, like, you know, placard sign that yeah. just said, how can I pray for you? And I would go study for my sermon and just set that in front of my computer and, uh, and then just sit there and study. And people would come by and they would sit down and say, Hey man, thanks for doing this. I actually have something I need prayer about, or, uh, or sometimes people would want to come and debate things and I would not debate them. I would just <laughs> engage them with the gospel, but yeah. um, you know, just get creative, man, figure out ways to, to be a part of your community personally on your own life, whether you're, here's what I'd say is, you know, I've recently transitioned out of being a lead pastor at a church, but that doesn't mean any of that has changed for me. I still teach a, I still lead a teacher Bible study every Tuesday morning at the local middle school. I still am a regular at the same coffee shops and the same restaurants and building relationships with the regulars and the workers there. Uh, these are things that don't require you to be a pastor. You're really just leading by example, what you hope the rest of your church will do. 
uh, and you want to teach them to do. So moving from interpersonal to team, what does it look like then other than, so I think step one would be encourage, lead by example, and then encourage your leadership to be engaged in the community and then kind of that same way on a personal level. What's another way team, and, and maybe there's a dotted line here that kind of overlines again with organizational, Bob, but how do we, how do we lead our team to engage the community missionally? Well, I think you you can do it together um, and engage the community together. So uh, one practical way that, that we did uh, and have done as our church, there's an elementary school next door to us, and they have an annual trunk or treat uh, deal. And basically trunk or treat, for those who don't know, is you, you set up a kind of a some kind of decorated thing in this in the back of your car or SUV and you give out candy at an event. And that's one of the ways that you can kind of get a, a group of kids and parents contained in a particular space. And, uh, and so we, we've done that a couple times as a church and we invite all our church members to come and meet people and we play games and that sort of thing. So what you're doing is you're showing them how to have conversations with people and how to interact with people. And it's, it's, some people are, are afraid to do that with strangers. They just don't know them and they don't know how to engage with people. So as a team, you say, Hey guys, we're going to engage the community. Here's how we're going to do it. And here we go. One of the best ways I think, cause that, that is a short term engagement, but let's say if you have a kids, small kids and you, you do this Jimbo and, and uh, your church members can do this. If you kids play soccer, then you guys all play in the same soccer league or you, you play flag football, then you get in the same football league and you engage the families that are there and you connect with them there. That's one way to do it. If you, uh, want to serve at the, you know, youth center or the library or something like that. You just help your people engage the community and you help them do it together, right? So volunteer together, serve together, coach together, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, that's such a key thing of just figuring out how to encourage people to do that together and be a part of the community, figuring out how to understand the community. And so this one kind of really kind of goes further into organizationally, as we said, with uh, the fourfold panorama that we've talked about with Keelan Cook that helps you really understand uh, your church and its context and how those things relate together. And there's another tool called Kingdom Concept that kind of takes that a step further um, that uh, by Will Mancini that can be really helpful as well. What are some other things that you can think about uh, organizationally that would be how we lead our churches to engage the community? Well, I think that one of the things you mentioned that's a challenge for us in terms of COVID and then also in culture. So the COVID reality is presents an, a challenge for us to engage in our setting, right? So a lot of our, our approach to ministry has always been a place-based approach where it's come and see, come in here, you, we invite non-Christians to, to the church facilities or the campus in order to do ministry to them. And you really have to flip that on its head because it, we, large groups in our setting are really not uh, something that people are comfortable with and that they, they just wrestle with. So we got to think, how do we send our people out into the community to engage the community as Christians, as Christ followers? So one is in casting vision for it in multiple ways. So we talk about how, how do you interact with your neighbors? How do you interact with your school system? How do you interact with the clubs that you're in, et cetera? How do you serve the community? How do you build relationships with them to, to get 
an opportunity to speak. One of the things is, is are there particular needs that your church can meet in the community? We have a food pantry for college kids, and we partner with a local ministry, uh, InterVarsity. It's a, well, it's a national collegiate ministry, InterVarsity. And so our people bring food and we give food to that, that pantry. So when kids uh, at the college, when the when the, the, the cafeteria closes or when you get a kid that runs out of money at the end of the month and they need food, then our, our church is there to provide that. We've also done some dinners for kids and stuff like that. So we also have the soccer team that meets in the back of our, they, they practice in our field. And so we've encouraged our parents to get involved in that soccer, soccer club and coach and participate. So casting vision for that and giving practical examples. And then one of the things that I do in my own involvement in the city is I, I get involved with our city council and in our community regarding issues that concern the community. And part of the way that I lead our church as a, as a body, as an organization is I just talk about that from time to time when it's appropriate and cast a vision for it and just say, this is a natural part of what we do and who we are, right? God has called us to live in the city and make it a better, better place. And, and so we, we want to do that as much as we can. Yeah. We make disciples that make disciples that make the community noticeably better, right? There you go. There you go. So coming towards the end of this episode, Bob, what would be a resource or two if you were to encourage the boot campers, if they wanted to engage this idea a little bit further, uh, what is a resource or two you would point maybe their way? Oh gosh, there's a book that I forget what it's called. Oh, The Art of Neighboring. Yeah, it's a great book. We, we had a small group that went through that and I encouraged The Art of Neighboring. It would probably be at the top of my list in terms of just thinking through how how do I how do I engage people and community and around me? Yeah, I think uh, that I think the fourfold panorama that we've talked about, the kingdom concept, gospel. If we talked in the last episode about gospel centered life by Robert Thune, gospel centered community uh, is a good one. Uh, the art of neighboring. If you're dealing with uh, poverty issues, then uh, helping without hurting uh, or when helping hurts. Um, is a great resource as well. Um, Here's one too I want to mention. Um, Rosaria Butterfield, The Gospel Comes with a House Key is a really good one too that talks about neighbors and particularly people in your community that you would not normally have a relationship with. And uh, and so I, I would recommend that book. Excellent. Well, hey, uh, boot campers, what are some resources you would recommend? Let us know. Uh, get in touch with us on social media or through our website. Let us know the things you want to talk about. Let us know the questions that you have. When we get on the other side of these irreducible minimums, we would love to have you as a guest on here and work through questions that you're asking or hear lessons that you're learning. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sanitized, and get out there and make much of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.